Cyber Show. I'm Cherry Sigmund, your host, cybersecurity authority, entrepreneur, and consultant. Tonight on our behind the scenes episode, we are having a special guest, Marion Williams. Hi, Marion. Hey, how's it going? Going great. It's enterprise architecture specialist, enterprise architect, uh, whom I served with at the Pentagon back in the day, and we've been friends ever since. And tonight we're going to talk about things along the lines of business, not just cybersecurity for business, but business models, uh, how technology can influence the future of potential business models, business opportunities, how you evaluate business opportunities in terms of time management, cost investment, risk management, what's going on in your life, that sort of thing. So we were just having a conversation before I started the recording. Before I started the recording, we were having a conversation about something I was looking at potentially getting involved in, and Mary were sharing some feedback with me. So I wanted to pay that forward. And in a, non in a generic way, in a non-specific way, talking about which specific opportunity I was evaluating, I'm going to turn it over to Marion to talk about business in general and his advice to anyone who's started thinking of starting a business or expanding a business or in other, otherwise doing any sort of strategic alliance or a joint venture with a partner. So Marion, would you like to speak to that, please, sir? Sure. Um, well, what we were saying before was anything you look at, um, when you're trying to evaluate a business or you're looking at trying to uh, expand, uh, expand your, your current offerings or you're trying to look at, trying to look at some, doing something, maybe you're trying to incorporate a new technology into how you do business. All those things require time, capability, and resources. And so if you're going to make those things work, you have to really make an effort to evaluate. Do I have or do I have, do I have the time and effort be able to execute on the capabilities or um, can I can I can I get those and the people might need my team or my network so yes there's some great opportunities out there particularly because right now um, if you look at what's happening in the world COVID-19 has changed the, it's changed the game there's lots of there's lots of new things business models have had to change more things are moving online um, well, there's a lot of opportunity, you, not just from a perspective of cyber, yeah. but how you design your processes, how you, how you create value for your customers. All of those things happen as a function of what are, how you creating, how you creating value and then how you getting compensated for it. Mm -hmm. So you think about, we, we were talking, I think in a previous episode, how McDonald's has the ability now to go through the app and you actually can uh, order and order a, um, a meal and then pick it up in the drive-thru. You can order it, pay for it on, uh, on, your, on, the, uh, on the app and then go through in the pickup. And, and, and so they've got that, they've got Uber, Uber Eats, uh, the other, other kinds of services where they'll pick up the food for you and deliver it for a fee. All of these are things that given 10 years ago weren't even capabilities. They weren't even, th they weren't even thoughts, right? So, how does that relate to, well, okay, now we're in this new environment and the big thing now is 5G. Well, uh -huh. how you deal with 5G, uh, whether you're talking about being a consumer, whether you're talking about being a person who's looking at trying to expand a business or you're looking at uh, buying a new business, all of those are activities uh -huh. that require you to look at the technology, but not so much look at, okay, getting down to looking at the routers and switches and the more technical aspects, right, the components. You have to really be thinking about what, what does that mean for you? And what I mean, what, what does that mean? It's like, well, okay, 5G is gonna have 
all these new capabilities. So bandwidth is not going to be an issue. So what would you think of, and you have to think out of the box, what would you think of doing if internet, uh, internet bandwidth wasn't an option? Oh, how, would you, how would you operate? God, so many opportunities. How would you operate? Um, you know, if you think about what business is, business is really the ability of one person or multiple people to satisfy a need. Well, as you start to, and, and this has been the same throughout history, as you start to uh, change the technology and you start to look at different things that are available, think about how many, think about, um, Think about something like the, uh, the Sears catalog, right? The Sears catalog was, uh, was around in the 1800s. It's been around, it's, it's, a, it's a long, it's the serving catalog in the, in the country, right? Maybe the world. Well, think about this. What happens when you add the telephone to that? Now, instead of filling out a form and then sending it in with the, with the money, now you have, a, you, you have the ability to make a phone call. So now there's a whole group of people who are now employed namely the call center folks, who now take orders and process those things, right? So now you've got all these things that are happening. Well, what happened initially when you had the phone was one thing, but then you had in the 80s, you had fax machines. Well, I so people, those. <laughs> people were faxing things in to, for orders and whatnot. And then you had uh, in 1992, uh, I'm sorry, 1991, the, the internet became available for commercial development. Mm -hmm. Well. Initially, it was brochureware, but as the technology evolved, it, it started to change what was actually available. How could you think about how are you going to use those? How are you going to use that technology to sell goods and services, right? So, initially, you look at what was happening, brochureware, you saw stuff or whatever. Then you got the ability, the ability to say, you know what, I want to order that. So now you can actually order it, and it actually goes to your house. Mm -hmm. Or you order it and, and, and an order gets sent out to UPS or, um, or U, yeah, U, um, U, United States Post Office or uh, UPS or FedEx or DHL or whatever. All of those are all options that didn't exist because the technology hadn't existed. For, those, for, for uh, USPS or, um, or DHL or any of these kind of major shippers, there had to be really uh, a large amounts of improvements in the flow of information in our organization. And supply chains had to modernize to be able to handle all that stuff to give you, you know, I think UPS was the first person that gave you visibility into where was your package along its journey as, as it gets to you, right? All they did was they took a service that was, in, that was internal so people could answer those questions and they made it so everybody could access it. Well, all of these kind of things are things that haven't been thought of because the technology wasn't available to do it. Mm -hmm. But the business has to think about, well, how are you gonna use 5G? Okay, well, let's think about something like, let's think about something like drones. It, um, Amazon is experimenting, has been experimenting with the delivery of, of using drones to deliver goods and services to people, right? Well, they can now communicate with various, you know, various different areas. They have the towers in the areas or whatever they can communicate with those, with those towers and make a whole number of different services available. Maybe you want to know where you are. So instead of, so if you have a baby and you notice you're out of, out of formula and you don't want to go to the store or you can't go to the store because you got other things that are going on, you could actually make an order for formula 
have that formula made, get it sent to your house, have a drone deliver it, and it's all paid for, and it's all and it's to, from you, from your perspective, it's seamless. You enter the information in once, your credit card. Then after that, they are now able to build that credit card for those for those payments. And if you look at what's happening now, I just I just saw uh, I got a smoothie before I, for the start for the show started. Uh, there's a shortage on coins, and people are asking you now pay exact cash or I saw that you know. Or having you, or they're asking you, can you round up your changes? I actually asked for my change, but you know, you could do that. So the question becomes, well, all right, what are some other kinds of things that are there, right? What are you, what are you doing? If I was a business that took in a lot of, uh, of coins and cash, I might want to invest, for example, in something like a a coin counting machine that you might see in, a, like, an, I don't know, Navy Federal. They used to have a coin counting machine. I remember Navy Federal at the Pentagon had a really handy coin counting machine we'd use every yes. now and then. And think about what that means. If there's a shortage of coins and coins are at a premium and I have to do a lot of business as a result of that, what does that really mean? That means that all these coins that formerly would have been out of circulation, I can now collect and cash in as, a, as an additional revenue stream. That's a whole different way of thinking about uh, you know, the coins or whatever. So that's it. So you get to think about those kinds of things. Um, if you're driving down the street and you've got a car, your car could be self-diagnosing itself. Uh, my, my BMW does that. It'll actually, if, if I uh, need an oil change, the GPS in a car will locate the locus, the, 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 the nearest BMW dealership and put it on the heads-up display. So if I want to drive in, it'll go in to that, right? Well, imagine being able to do various different things. Um, so it, it, let's say, for example, you now know all the levels in your car. You know, the, you know what the, the tire pressure is. You know what the oil changes are. You know what the, the coolant fluid. You know what all of the things that need to happen are in that car. Because now you can transmit all that data. That's just a data set, right? A scaled down data set. You can transfer that at any time. And each, and, and, and you might, you might have, there might be a, a whole other opportunity for companies to say, well, okay, BMW, I'm going to have you, they're going to pay, they can say, I want to put, I want to put these things up, and maybe they, they, they do a, a public partner, public private partnership with the, the county government. Say, so they'll say, well, we'll maintain at least part of this infrastructure for you, but just you have to let us put this in. So that's a, that's another opportunity because. What, the governments want my money, and they don't have to maintain that kind of thing. So maybe they say, well, all right, we need to have sensors in the ground to pick up the signals, right? To, so maybe you have a very specific signal that signals that this is a BMW versus a Mercedes versus uh, a Honda. Well, as you drive over the signal, it then triggers it, it triggers a message that says, collect data from this and then transfer it to uh, another station. So these are all kinds of things. If you had and, you, and if you had these things uh, widely spread out, you could then start thinking, well, hmm, I'm now going to translate, transmit this data. So if I if I'm hundred, let's say I'm 50 miles out or 100 miles out, and I'm on the interstate, you could you could then send that information to a local store. A store could then actually send you back coupon. They could send you back um, other information on the car. 
And so you could actually integrate that into your heads up display on your car. These are all kinds of services that are that available, but no one's thought of them yet. Yeah, they are the possible. Yeah, right. The way ahead. Like the earlier examples you mentioned weren't, weren't, weren't ubiquitous back then because the infrastructure and the technology weren't there to support it. Nope. And that was only 29 years ago. And you know, after DARPANET and you know, then, then the internet became publicly available for commercial use. Uh, right, and, the, and, and you think about what all that means. All of those are new technologies that at the end, of, at, you know, you always have your, 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 uh, your new adopters, right? You always have those folks who are cutting, you know, cutting edge, bleeding edge folks. Yep. They're always doing stuff. Okay, when the cost, when, when cost economies become favorable, i.e. you have on, on your adoption curve, if everybody's kind of in the middle, you can actually say, well, all right, the cost of, as it gets to that point, the cost per unit actually falls. Mm -hmm. So it actually becomes easier and easier to make your money from that. So if you think about what those things are, think about, you know, think about, you know, when I was, when I was in school, uh, computers had uh, three and a half, I'm dating myself, they had three and a half inch floppy drives. Right? I remember. And when I, I was even younger. When I cleaned out my home office. And when I, and, and even before that, you had five and a quarter. You know, when I was a kid, you had five and a quarter discs, right? So. <laughs> oh yeah, five and a quarter discs, three, three and a half. Yep. So now, no. you know, the, the computer I'm using now to talk to you has no CD-ROM drive at all. It does not exist. Well, what does that mean? That means that now they people have prioritized that over there. But what, what does that also mean? It means that the ability to send and receive digital information and be able to use that to create some type of value, whether how, how that value is defined is, is up to the consumer, right? Could be, could be I want to get a, um, I want information to help me be more productive at work, or I want to have some coaching about some particular personal issue, or I want therapy, or I want to do, um, maybe I just want to play uh, a game with the kids. All of these things are all valuable. Mm -hmm. And as you start to move things out, more people become comfortable with the technology. Hold right? on a so, I need to stop. I need to stop for a second. I'm going to get something. I'm going to pause it. Are you ready? Ready? So yeah, Marion, we're talking about the different uh, disc sizes of, of devices like CD-ROMs and five and a quarter floppy disks and the 3.5 hard disk. I'm actually using one as a coaster now. It looks like this on the back side. This is the one that I, I custom made. It wasn't a commercial one. I, I used to have a contact app called the Maximizer. This was back in the day. This is probably from the late 90s, I'm thinking. And I copied it onto this little Clemson orange disc and slapped the label on it. And now, since I don't have anything that, that uses five and a quarter or three and a half or some don't even have CD-ROMs like you mentioned, I'm using it for a coaster. <laughs> But if you think of, if you think about what is going on, um, there's always technology comes out, and initially it's expensive, and then as more people jump onto the technology, right, more people become part of that, and, and, and it gets integrated in. Uh, there are another opportunities to think about how to be truly innovative, yeah. right? So these are all kinds of things that happen. So like I said, the computer I'm using right now doesn't have a CD-ROM drive, mm -hmm. but that's because there's so many, first the demand for those have, have started to go down, 
if you and it's the same thing with cars. If you look at, I remember my my first car. Uh, the first car I owned uh, myself had a tape drive and a tape deck. You mean okay. like eight track tapes? No, 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 not eight track. Not, 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 not quite that old, but uh, <laughs> just you know, it had it had you know had you know uh, cassette tapes. Okay. And I remember. I worked over the summer and I was I was really proud of myself. I was in college and I was able to afford a CD player with a detachable face uh, radio. You were a badass then. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was that my was first uh, yeah. Yeah, that was that was expensive back then. That was like two hundred dollars. I was like, oh my goodness, that was like almost a whole paycheck. So I bought that, right? Well, think about today. Think about what is happening today. What is what, is, what do we have now? There, there, there are cars that don't even have uh, CD players in them anymore, right? What is happening? MP3 was they, you know, they have that. They have the Apple, um, you know, Apple devices, so you can sync your phone to the uh, to there. Um, all of these things represent evolutions, uh, you know, the, the evolution of the technology. And as those things become more and more uh, common. They start off in high-end cars and then they move down the chain. As you begin to move down the chain, you have other things you can do that you couldn't do before, and it becomes broadly available to a larger number of the population. I mean, I'm wearing I'm wearing a uh, a smartwatch, a Samsung smartwatch that I really like, and it allows me to it tracks my sleep, it tracks my vitals, gives me what tells me what my heart rate is. It also tracks my sleep pattern, I mean, my sleep, um, my sleep cycles. Uh, all this kind of valuable information, it really helps me to understand if I don't feel well, I can look down here and I can see, I didn't get, I only got four, if I got four, um, four sleep cycles, I'm gonna feel groggy the next day. Mm -hmm. So I know that if I get between five and six sleep cycles, I sleep well. I also know if I go to bed between 10, and 11 and wake up about six o'clock in the morning, I also feel well. Mm. So these are all kinds of things that um, technology has, has, has assisted. This watch, this is probably the third edition, the S3 of, of, this, of this watch. When these things came out, I mean, these probably were like six or $700, right? Mm. I paid maybe, uh, and I got, the, the, there's, another, there's another watch, the fourth edition, S4 is out. I like this one better. It, I probably paid about maybe two fifty mm. um, for this watch. So there, there are all these kinds of things, right? Well, think about what that means. If I got five G, maybe that, maybe maybe some of the future editions of this watch will wirelessly beam this information to the doctor. Or if if there's a, if there's a problem, let's say for example, I need to um, let's say I hurt my foot. Okay. If I have a VR headset and the doctor has the appropriate software to watch me in real time, I could actually put that VR headset on, put on some, some wires to, to model what, how I look in three-dimensional space, take a walk, and the doctor can track my individual, he can track my physiology. What is my, what is my gait looking like? How am I walking? How's my weight being distributed? Uh, these kinds of things. If you not look, just basic telemedicine anymore. There's huge potential there, especially in the medical space. Right, and the, and the thing is, those those things have gotten cheaper to the point where kids have got them on their video game systems now. 
the PlayStation, I want to say, was it, this is 2020, probably 2017, 2018, I was going through an airport, and, uh, no, it was, it, was, it was 2018, I was coming back from China. Right. Uh, I actually saw, they had, a, they had a demonstration of a game, PlayStation 4 game, it was underwater, and you're in the, and it's, it was a very rich environment, and I remember just thinking, like, I felt I was underwater. I, I, I really did. So the, so what has been available, right, has already, they're already coming up with, with use for this. You look at uh, pornographers are using virtual reality. They have virtual reality uh, apps mm. uh, where the, 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 whole, the whole point is to simulate what they do. I won't, I won't, uh, I won't. Yeah, there's a use case for everything, right? There's a use case, but also people don't realize that technology Pornographers have always used various different types of technology, and they're very, a lot of the things that we got to before we had high-level high bandwidth, they were the ones who were coming up with the tricks to make, to make uh, items load faster, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of the stuff with JavaScript was all, that's all them. Why? Because there's a business case for that. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, they were the, they were the, they were the, uh, the people who really were first seeing the need for uh, high-speed internet access, Mm -hmm. They were the ones who said, we have a need for this. We can use this as, as they became, as it became uh, easier to, to, to stream content to the home mm -hmm. for their product. Uh, eventually, corporate America said, we now have the, 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 the costs and the benefits started to even out. And they said, well, we now have the ability to stream email. We can, we can do all kinds of corporate apps. We can stream live video. We can do all kinds of things we couldn't do before, and we can support remote workers in any number of phenomenal new ways. It lit up all that dark the risks. Yep. Yes, and that's and that that the ability to do all of that is directly tied to what happens. There has to be a technology, and somebody has to pay the development costs, and it has to be a it has to be a, a substantive. There has to be a, a reason that somebody is going to put that much money into those kind of development costs. And, you know, some of the, you know, pornography is a billion dollar industry. Multiple, there's, more, there's more money spent on pornography, interesting statistic, than NFL, NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball combined. Now, think about what that means. That means that they can afford to essentially have lost leaders. You know, they can give away free product. They can, they can do things to play around with, you know, some of the major things they did with, uh, with, with um, A and B testing, marketing. Does this ad attract more than this ad? They did those kinds of tests. Why? Because I'm trying to figure out which would get the bigger spike. And they, can, and they measure that data very, uh, very well on their servers. And they can tell you when people have started to get access and when do they get online and when is the mo when is the times, what are they doing? They're playing analytics to their infrastructure. You don't think of it, but I mean, sex is a, is a large product. It's what they see as their product or the, or the depiction of, of sex is the, their product, right? So all of these kinds of things exist. If you look at um, some of the model, some of the money that they're they're putting into things like uh, interfaces that um, where you have touch 
and you have taste and you have smell. They're all trying to integrate all those things. Why? They want a whole nother experience. Well, one of the things that, that does is, you know, if you're getting from a neuroscience perspective, is it causes dopamine spikes in a person's uh, mind, which means that they'll get a bigger high, so to speak. You know, just like, just like you know, drugs, you know, heroin, uh, sex is the only thing that gives a high anywhere near uh, close to heroin. And heroin is actually uh, up there as one of the highest. It's up there right with crack. Okay, so that's so addictive. Yeah. That's why it's so addictive. Right. But the more you start adding novelty and the more you start adding uh, unlimited um, or, or, or limitless uh, constraints on bandwidth, it means that you can now stream a lot more content. So the content is not just I see, it is I see, I smell, I touch, um, all these kinds of things. So if you think about it, imagine you were to wear, and I know this is actually some art, there's articles on this, uh, in some of the in some of the journals, they actually have neoprene um, um, uh, gloves, gloves and 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 covers for Sleeve. your arms, mm-hmm. sleeves. And what what are they doing? They're actually playing around with, and they they now this doesn't always start with uh, a lot of this stuff was was uh, a lot of DOD stuff and trying to help helping wounded warriors to to gain mobility, right? Well, if, if what you think about it is a signal. And your body responds to signals, right? And so you have you have you have sensors in your in your your nervous system to respond to heat, to touch, to pressure. Well, that is essentially what you're doing when you have sex. But that's when you when you get to when you get to a place where you can integrate all of that data, mm-hmm. right? You're starting to you know you're getting the human computer interfaces, right? Mm-hmm. How do you get to a place where someone can actually interact with someone? And have a uh, have an experience. Well, there are actual uh, there are other industries that actually study pornography. They study them not so much because they have a, a some a summer product. They right. study them from the perspective of what is the best way of dupl- of creating a unique customer experience. Now these are kind of you know you think well okay this is kind of sick and why you don't want to think about this but the internet would not be if what it is today unless someone was willing to, to invest large amounts of money and to potentially see, and to potentially wait to see a return. So Marion, what are your thoughts today on how, how to leverage technology and the internet for online courses? There's a lot of colleges and, and schools are just, the people aren't going back to school, the kids aren't going back, the, the students aren't, aren't being able to go because of the, because of the Rona, because of the COVID-19. <laughs> so things are being delayed, even my nephew's delayed going to Clemson for a month or so. Well, I think the, I think the biggest the biggest thing you have to think about is this, and this actually relates to our previous conversation. Whatever you do, or however you interact with, you have a customer experience. Okay, some pla- some places that are around the country are putting lesson plans and PowerPoint, and that's all they're doing. That's it. Wow. Some places, yes. Other places who've invested in, you know, more affluent areas, who've invested in all of this kind of technology, mm-hmm. and they have relationships with tech companies, they are investing in virtual reality, augmented reality, they're investing in being able to show, just imagine 5G being able to, to, to give you every book that was in, in the Library of Congress in less than a minute, download less than a minute. 
anything you want to study, anything you want to learn, you can learn that. So while well, one kid's reading about dinosaurs, another kid is actually seeing a, 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 a four-definition four de, uh, four uh, model of a dinosaur, and they're actually touching the bones, and they're seeing how things work in full time. They're, they're taking these things and, and moving them around and seeing them from different angles. Well, because of what we know about the brain, that the second kid, the more fluent child who's, who's being exposed to this kind of uh, technology is going to be able to see that technology, think about that technology, interact with it much, much earlier, mm -hmm. and it's going to allow them to have a much, much more deeper, uh, richer experience. Because mm -hmm. I remember, uh, it's kind of interesting, I was actually, I was in average classes, and uh, I remember I did something, I can't remember, I was in sixth grade, and they couldn't, they, they were going on a vacation, they were going on a, on a field trip. Mm -hmm. And so they said, well, we're not gonna reward you by going on this field trip. So they had to stick me in a gifted class for a day. They were doing the same thing we were doing. It's just instead of reading about it, they were doing things like, they were doing actual experiments. They were, they were doing, they were, they were actually doing hands-on stuff. They were, they were doing, they were covering the same content, but the content was so much more interesting because it was hands-on. Active and learning. So it was active learning. Well, when you look at what happens when you do active learning, you build you build more and more connections in your brain. You build more you know, the neurons in your brain. At the end of them, they have what's called dendrites. Okay. As you start to get closer and closer, right? There's, this is a, this is a nerve cell, and this is a nerve cell. Okay. You have the space in between here is called a synapse. The closer, the more the, the more well you know something, you reduce the space. It's called a synaptic cleft. You reduce the space uh, between these two, these two items. Well, when you do that, it means that the nerve impulse can jump from, from one to the other. That's actually, that's, that's, that's a technical definition of thinking. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, neurologists actually consider, and this is very interesting, they consider learning to have taken place when there's a physical change in the brain. So when this process happens, when you study something, you learn something, this is happening. This is learning. Now, when you start building different connections over time, right? When you start as a child and you start learning ABCs and you start learning numbers and you start learning operations and words and paragraphs, and then you start learning how to put together these, 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 these tools into different ways, in different configurations, what you're doing is building out your ability to reason, to think, uh, and to learn. And all that's, all that's reflected in the brain. So as you, start to, as you start to have kids who are exposed to being, uh, interacting with something very, very, very deeply, they get, a, they get a different picture of what's happening. But they also gain the ability to understand things at a deeper level. So I can think of, you know, I'm an IT person, but I am so happy I took courses in biology, you know, uh, or psychology. All those, kind of, all those kind of courses that they make you take to get an undergraduate, an undergraduate degree, I'm happy I took them because I have a broader base of information. That broader base makes it much, much easier for me to learn new things because I can compare what I learned to what I'm seeing now. It means that the, the connections are already in the brain, which means that the brain is already bringing into new connections. It means that I may not know something today but if I get enough time to read and I can do those kinds of things, I can build connections much faster. 
that's, that was actually some of the some of the reasons why they why why employers wanted to take uh, a person who had a degree in say psychology, and even though they may work in you know they may have a person doing some sales, doesn't necessarily mean that the information that they use is going to be directly applicable. It means that you built a neural network. It means also I can teach you other things because you have a, a base of knowledge to build from. And that's, and that's why it's so valuable to have those kind of experiences, right? I think that's it's great. And, and I, think, I think we should definitely talk offline about this too, because I see a large uh, an opportunity there in terms of remote workforce and remote distance learning, not just the way it used to be with just canned CBTs, but I think maybe the next 24 months or so, I think there's a, like, a little niche there where you're gonna have something that people want more than just the basics. Think of something like, think of an issue with sexual harassment, right? HR, oh, you yeah, have to HR go through these very, you know, this kind of stuff, right? Well, imagine you're actually interacting in a 3D world a with scenario. a person yeah. who, who, who just, that you just said something to, and this person is responding. And so now, you, and so instead of seeing a video of two people, it's like, wait a minute, I said something to this person, this person is responding to what I said, and as a result of responding to what I said, now you have a person who can come in and coach you about, well, what was wrong with, with that? You know, So th there's a whole different layer of learning because a lot of times when you study something, if you just, if you just sit, sit down with a CBT or you sit on, online and go through a training, yeah, you can you can sometimes get through it, and that's you know you didn't necessarily learn a bunch of stuff, but when you interact with stuff, right? Um, when my grandfather wanted to teach me about stocks, I was also learning information about uh, fractions. So I'm sitting here, and I asked my granddad, "Why are you teaching me? Why, why do I have to learn this?" He said, "Because you're reading the stock, you're, you're reading the paper. I'm teaching you how to read the paper, so that when they print the stocks, this is the '80s, by the way." He's teaching me that, okay, I need you to be able to understand a stock page. And you were young. And you, need to know fractions. you were very young when he taught you this. Right. I was very young. I was like maybe eight or nine. So I'm, but he but I remember having problems with with, 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 with fractions. And I had just gotten a Nintendo. And so now I, I tell you, I tell you back, I wasn't eight, I was probably about maybe eleven or twelve. So he said, Okay, do me a favor, bring me the box. Okay, bring me the box. Look on the back of the box and said, I don't see it. Do you have the instruction manual? Yes. Okay. Open the instruction manual. He turned back. He started looking. He was looking for technical specs. So the, the, the original Nintendo, Nintendo Entertainment System that came out in 1985, had a, on the, on the specs page, it had four Motorola processors. My first stock was actually, uh, was actually Nintendo. My second stock was Motorola. So we said, he taught me, okay, for every one Nintendo, there are four of these chips that are sold. Okay. Now, this is equal to, and then he showed me how to go through the annual reports and pull the information about how many how many of those Motorola chips were sold, and he said we put that there, and then we said, well, how many Nintendos have to that correspond to that? 
and they had and he showed me how to line that up. That's how I learned fractions. That's a whole different way of learning fractions than one over four is equal to. Yeah, it works, right? But the thing is, the only way it works is you get to build those more deep relationships. So yes, I did do worksheets and that kind of stuff, but it didn't click in my mind until I was like, well, I actually need to do this. So he was teaching me that. And I, he, and I also was teaching me about what I, I didn't even know what the word was at the time, supply chain. Because of this is connected to this, that means that when this is sold, these are sold. That's in, in economics, that's complementary uh, complementary goods, right? Oh my so God. you end up we learning a lot of supply chain issues with cybersecurity. We can talk about supply chain on a whole other show. That's a whole other show. Supply but those chain. are but those are kinds of things that come up. And so when we're talking about distance learning, there's so many different ways of thinking about not just you and you want to convey information. Um, there are different ways of doing that. And the more you can interact, the more you can involve people in doing stuff. I just helped a, uh, a colleague today who was having a problem with Six Sigma. She works at uh, OPM. Well, she used to work at OPM. Now she's on detail to, um, uh, to the Pentagon. And so, you know, they got to they enter all this information in to a system. And they're like, okay, they're not going to, they're going to process this. And she's like, I don't have any idea about what to do this. And she said that she's trying to get her black belt. She's gone through one of those things. And so I said, all right, look at this in terms of what is important. How much is going through this is one, that's one measure, right? But you're not, you're not necessarily, you're not concerned about where it starts and where it finishes because that's throughput. But you are concerned about, you have to get the information in. That means there's probably a cost associated with every part of that process. So every time you go and request a, a username and password, that's probably where there's, there's some cost for that. When the person puts their information in the system and they hit submit, there's probably another cost because there's something else that goes on where now someone has to, uh, they, uh, an investigator go get your information, they sit down or they, or, or, or in, in this COVID environment, they actually talk to you online and they verify that. That's another cost. Mm -hmm. other, part, other people do other functions. These are all costs. That's why it's so expensive. You have so many people doing various different aspects of the job. But when those things come up, you look at that. Say, oh, okay. Well, I said there's ways of coming up with you know, if you stratify and you come up with different types of samples, you can figure out, well, all right, if you're a military person who had a very expensive career and have traveled all over the world, your, your investigation is going to be much more expensive than a person who is just out of college who's been in the United States and, you know, doesn't have any real life history yet, right? So these are all kinds of things that you do. But again, again, you have a person who went through and passed the, the exam and they have some knowledge, but I've actually built, I've actually gone through, I've done quite a bit of process modeling, I've done business process reengineering, I've also done some Six Sigma work. All of those things are, are, are mutually, they're not mutually exclusive, they're, they're interdependent, but it's the thought process, and the, you don't get the thought process by looking at how all these things are connected. That's why I like talking to you about business processes, business models, anything business. And if, since you have such perfected from an enterprise architecture, very, very overarching broad level down to how things fit together and work together, it's just, it's always fascinating to talk to you. Well, thank you for your time tonight. And do you have any closing thoughts for our audience tonight, Miriam? 
the big thing is everything is everything in the COVID environment has started to change. And so things that were that were that were uh, accurate even back in January, uh, those things are not they're not accurate anymore. So whenever you're gonna go in and look at either buying a business or investing in a business or purchasing maybe even purchasing a stock in a you know in a company, just also be be aware of how are they creating value. Uh, some people are thriving in this environment. Some businesses are gonna shut down. So the big thing is. Who shuts down? Who who stays? Who who stays relevant? The people who stay relevant, businesses that stay relevant, are those who really understand their business model, and have been able to adapt and even augment that with other ways of doing business. And I think if you can think that way, you can do a lot more things uh, in this environment. You you have to, you know. There's there's some people who've been laid off. Who one of the things that has happened is people got laid off, and now they're thinking, well, okay. We don't really need all these people uh, to do uh, the work that we were doing before. Why? Because we weren't, we weren't forced to become lean and mean and to think through, well, how can, we put, how can we do this in different ways until we had to do it? And when we had to do it, oh, well, I don't, we don't necessarily need to have this person. Um, and so there's a whole different, different ways of doing that. Um, and lastly, I'll give an example of McDonald's. Most people think of McDonald's is I'm going to come in, I'm going to order hamburgers or whatever I'm going to order, and then after that, I'm going to uh, leave out, right? I'm going to get my food and leave. Well, what has happened? The value chain, at least part of it, has been disrupted. You know, now you've got kiosks, right? So yeah. now what do you have because of kiosks? You've got a whole other labor class. Somebody needs to be able to look at the, the kiosk and, and repair the kiosk and that kind of thing. But that also means that demand for people who would do things like serve food or uh, just, you know, make the, you know, maybe instead of having three people on, on staff to, to handle the, the, the front, maybe you have maybe one and you have maybe one or two and, and these people do you have that for the, for the bathroom. But they're already, they're already right now, they're already models where people are thinking about, I want an entire McDonald's being automated. So these are all opportunities, right? Depending upon what your skill set is, depending upon your ability to envision changes to how things happen, but, but not necessarily uh, that are there because technology makes things available. It is human ingenuity that thinks, how can we use these technology tools in new ways? How can we create value in new, value in new ways? And that's what's gonna drive uh, success in this post-COVID-19 environment. I love it. Hey, that's a perfect way to end. Thanks so much, Marion. Thank, Thank you for the Cyber Show, folks, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Behind the Scenes with Marion Williams and Cherry Sigmund. Catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much.